I was like, I don't know anything about online retail, but I just felt like it was such an opportunity. And I felt like if I wanted more beautiful active wear, there must be so many women out there who would also love it. In those first few years, I was working so hard, I didn't have time to work out. And it was like, this is ironic. I started this because I loved working out. Um, <laughs> if you really want something, you'll find a way. And if you don't, you'll find an excuse. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer-turned-fun-trepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Hello, lovely listeners. As you know, I've been at pains to show that Seize the A isn't just going to be about business, health, and women, because that's what you might expect from me given my background. But I've really wanted to show the different pathways to finding a life that you love. And I think our last episode, episode five with Osha Ginsberg, went a long way to showing the diversity of guests and topics that we'll be covering on Seize the A. And thank you all so much for the beautiful feedback and messages and screenshots that you shared of that episode. I am so glad that it had such a great impact. And please do keep sharing and spreading the love because I want more and more people to be able to seize their yay. But today's guest is another incredible female founder and CEO in the wellness space and a dear friend that I just couldn't resist showcasing. Like Lisa and Rach, who have been on the show, I met Julie Stavania at my first major speaking gig a few years ago and am continually in awe of how stylish, successful and savvy she is. She is CEO of one of my favorite online retailers, Star Runner, which grew by 1736% to a multi-million dollar company value in its first three years. The website ships to 100 countries around the world and stocks more than 50 brands, including their own label, Flight Mode, which I absolutely adore. And you've probably seen me rocking out in my Flight Mode kit. Julie is the epitome of style, somehow integrating activewear into street style in a way that very few others could pull off. At that very first speaking gig, when I was super nervous, she told me she was a closet introvert and gave me a quick schooling on the psychology of power posing, and I've never forgotten it. I'm so glad to have her on the podcast to share some of her many other pearls of wisdom, and since the sun was shining on this beautiful day, we recorded outside, so the birds provided some beautiful ambiance, but you will have to excuse an aeroplane or two. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jules, or thank you for letting me join you (laughs) in your beautiful home. Pleasure. I'm so glad that you're here in Sydney. Yeah, it's absolutely beautifully sunny this morning, so we have decided, as you can hear that power tool in the background, we've decided to sit outside for a change. Why not? Yeah, the sun's shining. Yeah. I think we can hear a plane in the background, but I thought, don't want to be too rigid with it. Let's just go with what we feel. Yeah, I'm loving the sun and the breeze. Yeah. So before we get into it, I love to start with asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them. So cutting straight through that glossy surface that social media can sometimes create and show all that stuff that makes it, I feel like messages are a lot more powerful when you can relate to the person. But when you're as successful as you are, it's a bit intimidating at the beginning. So for example, I look like a puffer fish when I sleep. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> what's something that you do that reminds us all that you're just a human being? Oh my gosh, that's got to be a long list. Like I am truly 99% just an average person and, you know, kind of 1% doing something, you know, kind of fun. Oh gosh, 
I get really puffy when I eat wheat. How's that? Oh, like, you puffy. know, that, that whole unglamorous, but I love bread and I still yeah. eat it. Yeah, I'm the, exactly the same. Like, so, yeah. Big, big blowout, pregnant tummy. Yeah, <laughs> all of those things yeah. definitely happen. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. So tell us about young Julie. I call this your way to yay. So how did you get to the life that makes you yay? What was the very beginning like? Were you stylish as a child? Did you have a fashion background? Were you cool at school? And what were your first jobs pre the empire? (laughs) (laughs) Great. I love this question. As a child, I was really, really quiet, super quiet. And I had a twin sister and my twin sister was always like, you know, extroverted, outspoken, you know, the life of the party. And I was just, you know, kind of little wallflower. And then at school, I was somehow, you know, kind of was, I wouldn't say popular, but, you know, kind of like, I guess. But I wasn't the coolest. I actually remember one day, it was Casual Friday, and Sam Mack, you know Sam Mack, he's a presenter now. Yeah. You see him all over the place. We went to school together in the same year. And Sam Mack said to me on Casual Friday, Julie, don't you have any other T-shirt? And I realized (laughs) that I was wearing the same T-shirt every time it was Casual Friday. And it was a big oversized T-shirt that said Sydney on it, which my sister got me when she went to Sydney. And that's that's probably about as daggy as you can get. Um, And actually at that moment, I just that was when things clicked to me like, oh, you know, people observe what you wear. I just had no idea. And I was just such a tomboy. And so I, I think I had a little bit of an awakening then and I kind of took a bit more of an interest in fashion. That said, even from a young age, I definitely, you know, was very particular. And my mum would be like, okay, let's go buy some sneakers for you. And I'd be like, oh, I really love that pair. And of course, they were always the most expensive pair. I didn't didn't know that, just gravitated to those sorts of special <laughs> things. And, you know, we grew up as a very working class family and my mum would be like, oh, we can't afford those. And so then I'd, I'd be like, that's fine, um, I'll wait. And it would break my mum's heart because like I wasn't being bratty, I wasn't like demanding it and she really knew that how much I wanted it, but it wasn't even a ploy. I was totally happy to just like go without. So the, yeah, some, somehow even as a young child, I always gravitated to like very special things, but I was kind of a bit blind to the whole um, how do you be cool until I was probably like, yeah, 12 or 13 and had that wake up moment. Thanks, Sam, Matt. (laughs) So your light bulb moment for Star Runner came about from your own frustrations in the market back in 2012. So by Mm -hmm. then you'd obviously become quite a bit of a fashionista. <laughs> what was between that realisation with Sam Mack and then the the beginnings of Star Runner? What kind of jobs did you have? And- yeah. Well, so once I had my little light bulb, light bulb moment and kind of awoke to all the, the fashion around me, I definitely wanted to buy some. And back, this is now I'm kind of 13, 14. So I was waiting until I was like legally employable, which was like 15 back then. I don't know what it is now. So my first job at 15 was good old McDonald's. <laughs> so down to earth, Jules. So down to earth. There you go. <laughs> I actually thought it was a great first job. Like I was just the, the most nervous, bumbling, you know, kind of teenager when I started and like over the couple of years that I worked there, I I was just a speed machine. You know what I mean? I was just on top of it all, juggling 20 different things. Um, I learned a lot of confidence there. But more than anything, it paid for the purchases, which is very important as a 15-year-old. The key thing. Key thing. What happened after McDonald's, I obviously was at um, school then, so I didn't, I think I gave up working during my HSE years and focused on that. And then I went to uni. um, And during my last couple of years of uni I started like um I I started a science degree by the way um and I wish I knew more about engineering 
back then. I did not know engineering was even, you know, kind of an option, but I really like, I think I would like that. I think it would suit my personality, but I didn't. So I was studying the science degree and I always loved science at school, but I didn't know what I would do as a career with it. And so I moved into a business degree um, and I majored in marketing and I minded in finance. And then I basically got recruited into a job at ANZ Bank in institutional finance, which I didn't really think would be um, my career path, but was actually really good grounding. Um, like I learned a lot. I was there for about five years and that paid for a lot more fashion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a means to an end. <laughs> it, it really was, you know. Um, and then after a while, I lived in Singapore and Hong Kong for a, a five, five years um, and I had a bit of a sabbatical while I was there and I learned Chinese Mandarin. So wow, I yeah. didn't know that about you. That's yeah. awesome. I'm actually just about to start tutoring and brush it up. So I've got tutoring booked in for this weekend and next weekend, the weekend after, That's and then I'm awesome. off to China in a month. So I plan to yeah, kind of whip out the old Mandarin and uh, yeah, speak with the locals, which will be fun. That's awesome. Yeah, and then while I was, I guess having that sabbatical was really about. I had been in, you know, working for a bank and I just knew that I was, I didn't love it. I wasn't passionate about it. And I was kind of working out what I wanted to do. Um, I was traveling a bit and, you know, kind of thinking about, yeah, what, what to do with my life. And then I stumbled across this site that I just fell in love with. And that site is called um, Mubi. It was called The Auteurs back then. And essentially it streams, it's streaming video on demand. So like Netflix, um, but it was specifically for like foreign film, cult film, art house film. So if you think of like palace cinemas here in Australia, that type of kind of genre of film, but on demand online. And I started using that and watching all these beautiful films and falling in love with like French film from the 60s. It's so incredible. And then I sent them some recommendations and they ended up offering me a job. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I ended up working for them. And that was truly like, you know, yeah, it was my dream job. I absolutely loved it. Um, I eventually moved to London, which is where they were headquartered and worked on the HQ for a while. And, you know, probably the highlight there was we went to the Cannes Film Festival (gasps) in the south of France. And yeah, you need to work in the film industry to go to that. So we walked the red carpet, sat in those theatres amongst all of the stars and watched the premieres. It was amazing. And yeah, fun, fun, fun nights and and parties and things like that. So that was really a dream job. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Yeah, I wasn't planning to leave that um, anytime soon. And then I took up Bikram yoga. And that was while I was living in London and working at Mubi. And I was doing Bikram every day before work. So five days a week. And I was just so obsessed with it. And then obviously when you do Bikram that often, you need it. You need to shop for your Bikram outfits. Yeah. <laughs> you need to look good while you're you doing yoga. Well, in my mind, like I was working so hard. And I guess, you know, you're getting fitter and stronger. I felt like I wanted to reward myself. And so um, the birds agree. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The plane that's flying overhead also agrees. Definitely. (laughs) Um, And so I was, um, and, you know, to be honest, like at that stage, I was definitely in the, you know, kind of online shopping cycle. I was just getting deliveries like every other day from, you know, (laughs) Netaporter or, you know, matches or whatever. And and so then when I went to go buy some sportswear um, and activewear, I was just so so disappointed like you know the the disparity between like shopping online for beautiful fashion or even shopping in stores for beautiful fashion and then trying to buy activewear was just yeah worlds apart and I couldn't find product that I loved so that was kind of what eventually led to 
that light bulb moment. Um, and I was like, I don't know anything about online retail, but I just felt like it was such an opportunity. And I felt like if I wanted more beautiful, um, active wear, there must be so many women out there who would also love it. So kind of, yeah, took a bit of a leap of faith. Oh, amazing. And it's so interesting that firstly, so many of these success stories you hear, we all had no idea about the industry beforehand. So it's obviously not a barrier, which is um, just reminding all of you out there that you don't need to have experience or anything in the industry that you end up in. You just have to have a great idea, often um, being one of the customers yourself before, like the ideal consumer really helps. And I actually think it's sometimes a benefit because you'll think about that industry in totally different ways. Like when you come through the ranks, you know, or you're already in the industry, you'll keep buying the way that things have always been bought, etc. When you don't know any better you just completely rethink everything so I actually think that often leads to an advantage and it's also so cool to hear that you didn't leave a job that you didn't love like I think a lot of people also think they need to be unhappy before they find the next thing but there's always something better out there whether you are you know not content like I think that's the that's the thing about comfort zones is that yeah they're so dangerous because you could be happy yeah you just don't know how much more there could be out there So uh, one of the things that we tend to forget to go through in detail, once you get to um, having an established business and everything's running quite smoothly, you forget to talk about that bit at the very beginning where you go from like nil to I have a business. How did that happen for you, especially not having any experience? Like was it, did you Google? Like how did you, what was your first brand? And how does, what are those first few steps to making something out of nothing? Yeah, there is so much on Google. Like, honestly, there were things <laughs> totally that I was just agree. too embarrassed to ask people, how do you do this? So I just Googled it. And, you know, like that whole fake it till you make it. Um, find out as much as you can on Google. But, yeah, don't be afraid to ask. But there is just so, so much. Um, so I Googled a lot. I also went to a lot of online conferences and, you know, kind of just like literally, you know, mapped out every single talk that I wanted to hear. And I was like in the front, you know, front row, like a total nerd with my notepad out writing a million notes, like everything that came out of their mouth, I wrote down. And I'm one of those people that like when I hear something, generally I can, you know, like um, reuse it five seconds later. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just picking up all this terminology and, you know, and I just was, you know, ingraining myself in the, in the space. And I remember even a couple of years in, so I remember when I first was buying for the um for the site and I'd never been a buyer before I reached out to a brand and I said you know this is a sort of website we're about to launch I'd love to consider your brand and they said okay so do you want a lookbook and a line sheet I was just like (laughs) what are those (laughs) that exactly that that's what I was after I'd never even heard you know what a line sheet you know was um and so again just faking it to kind of make it a little um, and then I was in a conference and I remember hearing someone talk, talking about OTB. Just write that down, Google that later. <laughs> yeah. um, and just so, nod in the meantime. Nod, yes, the OTB, very important. Yes, that thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, I picked up a lot of it, just conferences, um, speaking to people in the industry, asking loads of questions. Like when we built our first website, I met with probably, I don't know, five or six really good web development agencies and they all have their own platforms that they want to push but by asking all the questions you know you just find out um you know make that assessment for yourself but you learn so much about it in the process so yeah that was kind of yeah research mode and you started the business with your twin sister who yeah. you mentioned earlier who departed in 2015 yeah so how did that come about and can you tell us a bit about that 
co-founder relationship when it's within your family. So my life partner, Nick, who you know, uh, is also my business partner. And we found that transition one of the best things we've ever done, but also in the first year quite challenging to adapt to being so close, which makes you intimately know each other, but also being around each other all the time. How did that play out for you guys? Yeah, you do spend a lot of time with each other. Like literally, um, you know, I'd see my sister more than, you know, my husband. It was like, you know, from the first thing in the morning and we would go to work so early. We would be in by 6.30 and I think we would be in earlier, but Sally lived um, about a 45-minute drive away. So she'd be getting up at like 5.30, driving in, and then um, we would be at the office until way past midnight. So we would literally spend, you know, almost the entire day. And I think that the great thing about going into business with someone that you you know know and love, whether it's um, a family or you know your partner, is like there's just so much trust there that you just both know you're invested in this and will do the right thing by the business. But I mean, ultimately, any startup is like an eight to ten year plus journey, and I think that not everyone realizes that when you get into it. You kind of think after a few years you'll be able to you know kind of have the means to maybe grow the team and you know not potentially have to, um, you know, be hustling as hard as you do from day one. Like it's so, so grueling that that's just not for everyone. And Sally got married in 2015 and she's incredibly happy and it was just kind of different, um, you know, kind of lives for her. So she, you know, kind of moved on after she got married and decided to settle down and have kids. And I'm still here hustling away. So, (laughs) yeah, you just sometimes don't know what you're getting yourself in for at that early stage. Oh, absolutely. And so in the first three years, you, I think, grew by 1,736% is the figure that I pulled out, which is just, I mean, that's just unheard of. That's absolutely incredible growth. So that's obviously a big highlight for you. But what are some of the other highlight moments along the way that you've it really made you pinch yourself and just those surreal things that you're like what is this that you'll just always remember um i remember getting um at us by stella mccartney on board for the very first time so up until then we basically had found all of these cute little brands from around the world like somewhere from brazil somewhere from you know london but there were more unheard of brands and then when we finally got in touch with Adidas and we had a meeting with them sally and i were basically talking about how we're going to pitch them and you know basically we need to get stella you know on board that was like our just you know the best label out there and when we sat down and had lunch with them and they were just so lovely, they had obviously been watching Star Runner and, um, you know, were really impressed with what we had been doing and the connection we had with the women in the community and felt like once we sat down, they were kind of telling us why they thought Stella was a really good fit for us. And we were like kicking each other under the table going, what is this happening? And so we, they said, okay, let us, you know, go away and, um, and just confirm things and we'll give you a call. And we got a call back that afternoon and said, yep, we'll... Um, let's go ahead. We'll send you lookbook and line sheet uh, this um, this week. And we got off the phone and like literally jumped up and down and, and we took the team out, which is all of four of us, um, and celebrated and had, um, you know, some cocktails down at the gazebo, not far from here. So that was an amazing moment. And similarly, when I was visiting the Nike team in Portland. So that was probably a a few years in. Yeah, so just even to be invited to come and meet the executive team was a pinch myself moment. Um, And they were just so complimentary of, you know, some of the things that we had been doing and just for them to give us their time was, yeah, 
it's just a definite highlight. And you've had a lot of these successes recognised um, with some crazy awards along the way. Yeah. So what are some of those? Um, and also, just out of interest, yeah. do you style yourself? Or like, what does it take you to get out the door for those? Because you always just look like red carpet ready. And I'm always like, did you put that together herself? Or- oh, thank you. I, I probably have used the stylist maybe, I don't know, three or four times when I'm really busy. And I would love to use stylists more often. I mean, they just are immersed in all of the best goodies. Like, trust me, they come through with the goods. But normally, I just, yeah, kind of pull things together myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. But I think the biggest award, which, again, that's definitely a pinch me moment, would be winning um, a World Retail Award a couple of years ago. That That's kind of like, you know, the Oscars in, in retail. Like, it just doesn't get any bigger. And some of the other awards during the World Retail Awards are won by, you know, like Tommy Hilfiger and, you know, just like the names yeah. in the industry. So, and that was... I think the Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. So it was like one, one like young kind of, you know, category, which I would be eligible for. And the rest, I think I'll have to work another 20 years for. Yeah. Oh, what an amazing achievement, especially so early. And so are you still day to day involved in choosing from the lookbook and filling out, the, not necessarily filling out the line sheets, but uh, how much of the, the range do you still curate yourself? And with um, flight mode, do you are you actively involved in the design of those yeah, ranges? I'm definitely um, I'm definitely actively involved in our own um, labels. So flight mode, New Guard, and Style Runner, where we just did a collab with Vogue. Um, <gasps> the bike shorts, <laughs> but the so bike cool. Short, it's so so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I really. So we've got um, an amazing senior designer and a junior designer and, and a production team around that. But I sit down with them um, around the creative direction and basically approve everything, or you know, kind of ask for you know changes etc and I'm heavily involved in that like I try on every single piece when it comes back from you know the factory so I try on every sample I want to know how it fits I want to know how it feels I'm heavily involved there I've got an amazing buying team and I just love my buyers I just know that it's in safe hands Um, and every now and then I will um, sit in on some of their range reviews because I love products but generally they'll bring the A brands to me so just depending on you know the budgets that is being spent so I can sign off on them so I I definitely still have you know keep my eye on on what's going on and where the you know kind of business is going and what we'll be bringing to consumers yeah but I generally like to give most of you know like as a, as a rule of thumb, I like to give people autonomy. So um, if I've got buyers, I try and, you know, let them bring to me what they think we should buy and I'll have a look at things and maybe just make some suggestions and, and tweak. Otherwise, I may as well just be the buyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that actually leads me to um, there's always, obviously, in any business story, all the highlights, but then so many challenges along the way. And one of the things I've heard you speak about before um, in such an honest and open way is the way that your management style has changed from the beginning to now and how that's evolved in in a way that's taught you a lot but that has been quite difficult at times. So can you tell us a a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I still, you know, if there's one thing I know, it's just that, you know, I still have a long way to go. I didn't have um, a lot of leadership experience before I started Style Runner and that's, I guess, where it all stems from, right? I'm a a new leader and I prefer the word leader to manager and and so I had to, I guess I've had a lot of wake-up moments in my life, haven't I? I've had a lot of light bulb moments. (laughs) Things just don't occur to me uh, <laughs> gradually they just hit me all at once <laughs> but uh, I will say that you know the kind of learning that I had there was really when I first started the business I have my own style of working which is pretty like autonomous and you know understand where the direction is and what needs to get done and then I'm very kind of self-sufficient and head down and get that done and um, one of the things that I've kind of 
learned along the way is that we tend to manage people or treat people or lead people in the way that we want to be led. And so I guess I was doing that with my team and that was kind of leaving them to get their work done without much direction. And then it occurred to me, you know, one day that someone felt, someone actually felt that they, I didn't like them. And I, you know, couldn't understand how that was the case. I was like, what? I love you. I know. I love everyone in the team. And, you know, it just made me kind of go, okay, what's happening for this disconnect? And it just, I wasn't spending enough time with them. And so they thought that kind of lack of collaboration, sitting around with them, working out, you know, what we can be doing together, etc. You know, they kind of needed that. And... I, I talk about the disc profile a lot, which sounds so boring, but you should try and find the bird version, which is a lot more fun. <laughs> because even I hate the disc. Oh, you're a D. Oh, you're a C. Like, honestly, dry as, you know, wallpaper. Yeah. But if you find the, the version where people are like doves or peacocks, everyone understands it. Yeah. And so, again, this is oversimplifying things, but in that version, there are four different types. But you will soon learn that the people in your team need different things. So not everyone needed what that employee needed either some people love the autonomy and to be kind of told what's needed and left alone but Mm. just understanding that all of your team need different things has yeah has really helped me and and like I said there's still so much more I need to learn but at least I'm conscious of it now and I'm constantly thinking about you know am I doing enough how could I be a better leader Um, and I just try to read as much as I can and always you know trying to work on it yeah and it's so important to be self-aware and always changing on the journey. I feel like if you've got everything figured out at the start, you're probably not learning much. So it's a good thing to have gone through different phases along the way. And also what your team needs, the team will change. So what you need to be will also change and, and times change. So it all looks very glamorous on the outside. <laughs> what would you say are some of the, this is one of my favorite questions. What would you say are some of the least glamorous things that happen in your day to day that people wouldn't expect? Stuff that, um, you know, when like shit hits the fan, it, like for me, it's, a, you know, at the cafe, it can look, you know, we, the Hemsworths love it. Like it all looks really fancy. The food's beautiful. We do all these launch events, but then I also take out a lot of the rubbish. Like yeah. I clean the bin floor and there's yeah. so much stuff that people don't see. And it's not that you're not being real or anything, but it's just not really when I feel like getting my phone out when I'm yeah. you know, covered yeah. in in people's rubbish. <laughs> oh, I've cleaned out bins too. Yeah. Um, I think things like, you know, buying the cutlery at Ikea, you know what I mean? Like someone's got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, opening like just so much mail that does not probably get the Instagram time that, yeah. <laughs> you know, in proportion to, to the mail that comes in. But, you know, like just like the bank statements and, and reconciling and all of that stuff is, is not very glamorous. I think there have been many times when, you know, things hit the fan, you just get in there and, you know, kind of help out. So when we went to Melbourne for the Vogue Fashion Night Out, um, I went with a few of my team and we had to make up um, like hundreds of those star runner boxes and they kind of take quite a bit of time to put together. And we had the like cheapest hotel because it was the closest to the mall, but also startup life. It's always good to be frugal. <laughs> and these rooms were tiny, tiny. And um, the team were basically sharing like twin bedrooms. So there's, you know, kind of singles. There's two in one room. Yeah. Felt like a dorm. Um, and we were in there late at night making up boxes. And like one of them was laughing that this is like, you know, Guangzhou. And it kind of felt like that. Like yeah, it was production towers, line. Yeah, production line late into the night, you know. Um, so things like that. And, you know, heading out to the warehouse, like it's just putting on 
a fluoro vest and, you know, having to help pick if you need to. So that You could probably turn up. that into a trend, though. Like, knowing true. you, you'd do that. You'd bring back the fluoro vest. Oh, don't challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's kind of touching on the challenges and the less glamorous things behind the scenes. What are some of the things that I call saying nay to yay? So they get in the way of you living your best life, like... You project so much confidence, but I know you're actually an introvert, which is very interesting because you do project so much confidence and you always seem so together. So I have daily breakdowns, like daily breakdowns. Um, Do you ever experience that? Have you ever just freaked out completely on the scale up and thought, like, I just want to go back to a nine to five job? Do you ever have those like anxious days or? Yeah, anxiety, yeah, has definitely been there, but um, probably more so in the first few years. I think once you've had enough almost disasters and survived them, you kind of start to go, you know what? I can figure <laughs> this shit out. Life goes on. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the worst thing that happens. And, and things still, like, you know, get stuffed up. Um, but you just know that all you can do is what you can do. It's kind of that um, saying around worry, which is worry is futile. You know, do what you can do. Fix what you can fix. Mm. And what you can't fix there's no use worrying about it. Yeah. So I've actually learned to manage, I guess, my anxiety a little bit better over the years. Yeah. And the other thing that's really helped that is getting enough sleep. Like, oh, yes. I think those first few years, honestly, I don't know how I did it. I was definitely living on adrenaline and cortisol was, you know, pumping through the blood because it was, I couldn't do it again if I tried. Like, <laughs> I was probably getting, you know, four hours sleep a night. And I remember doing press showings and things. And I looked like a wreck. Like, I don't even know if I brushed my hair. Do you know what I mean? I just turned up. I mean, I still don't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think that leads to anxiety and, you know, all all of those things. So now I make sure I get my sleep first and foremost. I know that I'm better for it. I know that I can handle the challenges better for it. And I know I make better decisions. Yeah. How many hours would you generally get? I try to get eight, but at least seven. Yeah. Um, So It's good to know your sweet spot. I feel like that's also something that comes out in a lot of um, these chats is that people who are doing really well or in their best life and are living a life of seizing their yay know how much sleep they need, which is a different number for everyone. But they've figured out what that is through lots of trial and error um, and just go with it. Yeah. So how else do you fuel your body? Your success puts in the public eye and that can create a lot of pressure uh, particularly because it's in the health and wellness industry do you ever struggle with body image or needing to project the star runner brand does that put pressure on you and how do you manage that and what do you do for your body yeah I mean it definitely is a lot of pressure I try to be kind to myself like I'm you know running a pretty complex business with so many different moving parts and departments and brands um, that really I guess for me is my number one job as a CEO to make sure that that gets done. And so I try to be kind to myself and say, you know, you can't do it all, but there's definitely a lot of pressure to, you know, kind of look like the fitfluencers in the space who are working out like seven days, you know, a week and um, looking incredible. But the funny thing is in those first few years, ironically, I was working so hard I didn't have time to work out. And it was like, this is ironic. I started this because I loved working out. Um, <laughs> and then actually I also felt it in, in my, you know, kind of body and how I was looking as well. And I was just like, this is, this is not good. How do I kind of solve this? And so I went back to how I started going to Bikram because when I started Bikram at Mubi, I also didn't have the time. 
but I read a quote which literally changed my perception on it. And the quote was something like, if you really want something, you'll find a way. And if you don't, you'll find an excuse. Yeah, I love that one. And such a good one. So good. And I was like, okay, so I feel like I really don't have time for this. But, you know, challenging myself, are you making an excuse? If you really wanted to do Bikram, how would you do it? So I was like, okay, I'll just start this weekend. You know, can't. I did work weekends, but you can't hold it against me for going to a Bikram class on a weekend, you know? So yeah. that reminds me of another quote that I really love is that you only have time for the things you make time for. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's so straightforward and obvious. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's so easy once you break it down. I yeah. don't know why we make it so hard. Yeah. And so essentially um, midway through the Star Runner journey, I just started going, okay, I'm booking my workouts in first and I will have to get as much work done as I can in between. And I almost... Um, said, I'm just going to test how that goes. Like, I'm going to do this for the next month. And if I don't get all my work done and I feel more stressed because I'm not getting as much done, um, then I can reevaluate. But I have to test this way of doing things. And, you know, obviously, as we all know, when you work out, you've got more energy, you feel better, and you're actually more productive. And so I don't know why I didn't do it for those first few years. (laughs) But um, as soon as I got back into it, I just definitely feel like a better person for it. So that's definitely part of like looking after me, but I just do my best and I just try and compare myself to myself. And if I'm making progress and I'm happy with my fitness level or, you know, how I'm progressing, then great. The, the, the most dangerous thing I think you can do is compare yourself to other people. And, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, their photos. And I know you are such an angel and, you know, you show the, like, you know, the, my bloopers. the bloopers, you know, like, so you've got to know that everyone else putting up these glamorous photos also have those ankles. Just, they're just not showing you. So how can you compare yourself to their most perfect photo? Totally. And also I feel like I compare myself to people who do it for a living like models and people who it's their job to look a certain way whereas I'm like running I'm running like two and a half businesses and it's not my job to do that so the fact that I am not like an obese slob (laughs) is actually like quite an achievement in itself I I get it yeah (laughs) just giving yourself that perspective I think um but do you have any like bad habits or little vices that that you still kind of indulge in I do like a little bit of chocolate in the evening um I won't lie um (laughs) Um, And when I say a little bit, (laughs) it's a relative statement. The thing is, um, I actually have gotten a lot better. um, But the thing is, I'm one of those people that is like, don't have it in the house. Yes. I don't know why, like just growing up, like I don't, it wasn't one of those things where like, oh, would you like to have one roll of chocolate? Do you know what I mean? It was like, if we opened a chocolate, like a block of chocolate, we ate that chocolate block. Yeah. yeah, It's not, there's no pacing ourselves. (laughs) Then yeah, I just have never kind of learned to just... I've definitely have gotten better at that, but I just prefer not to have it in the house because, you know, one rose becomes two and two becomes three. And then you're like, did I need, did I need all of that? I actually didn't. (laughs) I enjoyed the first couple of, you know, blocks or or the first row. So that would, I guess, be my vice would be my lack of control when there there is chocolate in front of me. Because let's be real, it's pretty delicious. It's pretty great. I mean, I think it's antioxidants. Like we brought out that matcha chocolate, which I've actually left you. (laughs) It's green. It's basically a vegetable. It's antioxidants with vegetable. Like I mean, it's a green how, smoothie in a block. I sh- oh, <laughs> you're selling me. But the thing is too, I actually, I'm not hard on myself about it. And, you know, I'll have it every now and then. And, you know. It's all in all in moderation. Yeah. And, and I think also if you're working out, um, that's another thing. I think, you know, have that bit of chocolate and, you know, kind of keep your workouts up. Yeah. And just balance, balance it out. all out. Yeah. yeah. Talking about balance, I think one of the things that fascinates me about today is in that search for balance, it kind of implies a seesaw 
like we're balancing between two things, working and resting. So being on and doing all our kicking goals, smashing life, girl boss, and then switching off and doing the rest and the exercise and the maintenance and the sleep. And one thing that kind of falls out of people's focus is play or joy, or does it actually even make you all happy? And I I know myself that when I was in the law firm, that was my life. It was very binary. I was on or off and there was nothing else. And the scary thing is I didn't even feel like I was unhappy. I just wasn't anything. I didn't think about it. And I wasn't, these are the two um, segments I like to call them, slay TA, so working to get your yay, or play TA. For some people, they want their passion in their job. For some people, their passion has to be a hobby. But I just think we should concentrate more on happiness and fulfillment at all. So where do you get your happiness? Is it from your job and from kicking all the goals and having purpose and achieving everything? Or do you also find happiness in anything that's not related to what you do? Do you do anything that's not related to what you do? I didn't, I didn't for the first couple of years. And then I suddenly realized I don't play at all. So what are the things that you do to play? In the first years, yeah, I didn't do anything else. Um, and I wouldn't call them... I don't know, there was a mix of excitement on what we were building, but also, yeah, there was not a lot of downtime to, you know, just even, yeah, feel feel good. It was just kind of, we've got to do this, we've got to get this done. There's a lot of adrenaline and pressure and stress. I do like those kind of sayings, though, like the Slater Yay. I get that. Like, I think I definitely derive quite a bit of satisfaction from not not just like work but in building something and creating something so I guess that's part of me being in a role that I love which is as much business as it is creative strategy in a way and I I really love that like it definitely you know and when I see product you know I can, <laughs> just like I want that <laughs> yeah so I have a lot of fun at the office and we actually try to cultivate a culture which is really relaxed and fun and you know we we work really really hard but we enjoy it when we when we do it um we spend a lot of time in work cultures i think you spend so much time there um so i have a lot of fun at work and definitely get a lot of joy out of that but in my downtime i just try to be really present like we're outside this morning and apologies if you know there's a few birds interrupting here and there or the odd overhead plane but I think being outdoors in the sun I mean vitamin d for starters but just to be able to be present and you know kind of really appreciate the sun's rays and the feel of the breeze and the sound of the birds I get a lot of joy out of that like it's just nature is so so beautiful I do try to spend enough time outdoors and I get a lot of joy from you know spending time with my husband like you did say I, was, I am an introvert and I wish that I wasn't like, you know, I have all of these events that I get invited to and sometimes I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, people. <laughs> it's too peopley out yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. I will use that. <laughs> um, There's a know, cushion I, on Instagram get, that says it's too peopley really? out there. I need to get it for you Oh for my gosh, there you go. that's for me. Um, and I just, yeah, I get a little bit um, of anxiety before I get there. Once I get there, you know, I always love connecting with people and have a great time, but... I do, you know, have the most amazing time with my husband, you know. So being an introvert, you kind of have your, like, group of people that, you know, you are really open with. And it's, I think, so, so important. So I've got some really incredible friends and and my husband and I definitely have that sense of joy and fun and, you know, being present. And he's, yeah, definitely one area where I get a a lot of joy from. So he helps balance out the 
the long hours and things like that. Yeah, I love Kesh. He's such a legend. He just came out actually and was being a very good Insta husband, totally unprompted. I know. Just came out and, and took some behind the scenes for us. So is he a good Insta husband? He's a very good Insta husband. He's so Does patient. Does he take all he, your photos? Took, yeah, um, he takes a lot of them. And those first few years, like probably most husbands when they get asked to take 20 photos, uh, he wasn't very happy about it at all, you know, like seriously, <laughs> yeah, never I'm sure you. I've got it, you know, no, we need this angle too. And <laughs> now he's just, he just gets it and he's, a, good on him. he's very obliging. Yeah, he's so, he's so good. <laughs> do you guys watch TV? Are you TV watchers? Are you book readers? Yeah, we actually do watch a little bit of TV. So we've got millionaire property listings or something like that Ooh. in New York. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so sensible. It really? It's a, it's a little bit of, I'd say it's a bit of, yeah, reality trash no but you oh know, yeah yeah i guess and then in okay, a very if you sensible want less sense, portfolio want, building way if you want, yes exactly <laughs> actually <laughs> but if you want less sensible we do watch shards of sunset as well oh good i'm glad really, to know you watch yeah, them so. let our hair down <laughs> yeah. no that's that's fun um and then every now and then we'll watch something on netflix but everyone talks about all the amazing things on netflix and i'm too afraid to start one because i know how addictive they are yeah it's you know consumes my life yeah we've done that the whole <laughs> okay let's just watch one more at yeah. two in the morning and so I'm afraid there's too much content. It's like not having chocolate in the house. Just don't exactly. even don't even that's open the floodgates. That's, that's how I manage things. <laughs> exactly. And do you guys have plans for a family? Um, one day. I've always said, like, Starrunner has been so all-consuming that, to be honest, it's been so stressful. I felt like it wasn't, you know, the right thing to bring a baby into that. Yeah. Exactly. The right, you know, cortisol running through the veins, and I'm sure is not a great thing for a little growing baby. And so I've always said I want to get Starrunner to you know, the point where I've got an incredible team and they've got this and then if I had to take maternity leave, etc., it's in a state where it's just totally humming and I can, like, check in and, and you know. The scary thing is, like, I'm I'm getting older. I'm 37 this year. and so Are it's you? Of, yeah. You do yeah. not look it. Well done. You're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well done. Yeah, so I just, I just take comfort from... The, I know so many women who are having babies who are like, you know, 40 or 41 and even later. Um, and it's a scary thing kind of going, okay, everything has to go right for that to happen you yeah. know, in, your, in your 40s. Um, I'm not saying that that's when I want to have children, but it's, yeah, it's kind of coming to that, those crossover years where, okay, is the business where it needs to be? Can it be self-sufficient? And, yeah. You know, but yeah, I'm probably I'm probably overthinking it. <laughs> yeah, like we are so prone to do with everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of the questions I also find really interesting is to ask people if time and money were no object, how would you choose your time? Would it be doing exactly what you're doing, or would you be doing more travel? I mean, you you travel for work obviously quite a lot, and learning Chinese is a, is a lovely thing. I love languages. I've studied quite a few of them as well. And I always say that if I didn't have to do what I did, I would still do a lot of what I do, but I would also just go and learn languages. I'd yeah. just go and live in country and yeah. just learn them for no reason. Yeah, languages are really incredible. I think if time and money were no objects, I would love to keep doing what I'm doing, but I definitely would take like a good two or three month holiday with Kedge. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we were just saying in the office in the last four years, I think I've taken two weeks holiday. So maybe it's, I don't know, two and a half or three, but I'm pretty sure it's closer to two. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of dedication to the business. And I think that I just would love to go to the South of France or like do something really beautiful these years, that, like those years that, you know, we'll kind of like look back on and yeah. um, I'd love to have a beautiful break. So I think it's 
says something that I'd like to immediately, I'd be spending it with Kedge. Yeah, which is lovely. So, yeah, that's, that's nice. I'm not sick of him yet. <laughs> um, yeah, good, there's time. <laughs> and I, I would definitely welcome a bit of a break. Um, and I love travel. So it'd kind of be those those three things. But yeah, you, I don't think I could just keep traveling indefinitely. Like I, that, you know, would be retiring. Um, yeah. I don't think I'm ready to retire yet. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I get bored pretty quickly. Yeah. I need to do stuff. And like I said, I love creating. Like it's actually really fun. Yeah. So I think maybe two or three months, I'd probably already be starting to get itchy and I'd be, you know, kind of coming back and I'd probably be sending my team ideas and then yeah. be like, stop it, get off your email. So you obviously are like me and find it really hard to relax. A little. <laughs> and do you find that you have that, like you were talking before about the anxiety, the pre-event anxiety, and I find it really hard to even make decisions about which things to go to and which not to when you've got yeah. a finite amount of time and you have to actually do your work as well. Is that whole like play in your mind between the should and the do I actually want to and is this actually good for me? Do you get that a lot? Yeah, definitely. Sometimes, let's say an event, events these days are often so special. You know, they bring amazing people out. They do like a beautiful job of entertaining and hosting. And part of me is like, shouldn't I want to go to this? Like, it's going to be so amazing. Like, why don't I want to? But I guess as an introvert, you know what I mean? Like, my joy is kind of being home and having a nice tea on the lounge and, you know, being with people I love. And so it is that whole thing, like, I think I should, but do I really want to? But then I guess this comes back down to a should. I'm like, well, if I just said no to everything like that, I'd just end up being, you know, a hermit. (laughs) (laughs) So again, I'm doing it, I guess, because I think I should, you know, I'm like, these are beautiful things with beautiful people, you know, get out there and mingle. And maybe the reason I think I should is because once I do go there, I do have a great time. I'm the same. I I don't want to go. I resist the whole time. And then once I get there, I'm like, this is the best. People are great. Yeah. And you, (laughs) and you create so many memories around those sorts of things. So yeah, I don't know where, how that whole, um, anxiety kind of manages to creep its way back in. Yeah. Maybe is it just comfort zone? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think also the other thing is that my theory is we have evolved the universe and technology has evolved to make our pace of life so much faster than our bodies have physically had time to evolve to accommodate. Yeah. So that constant feeling of anxiety is because life contains too many things. And I was reading recently in Ayurvedic medicine, there's a theory that you are given all your talents, but not to use them all day long. So speaking is something we just take for granted. Like I speak all day long and don't even think anything of it and then wonder why I have anxiety when I get home but it's because you're not actually meant to speak all day you're meant to have quiet time and that's where I I think that that anxiety that I get I know is being encouraged into a life where I love the overstimulation yeah but my body physically isn't built for that stimulation so it's finding that kind of balance which is you know totally agree with that and talking about overstimulation I mean um, things like Instagram they're so addictive and they're, they're built to be addictive. And so, you know, we again are actually engaging in an activity which is not natural for us. You yes. know, it, we're essentially feeding an addiction of stimulation. And so, yeah, no wonder we're kind of, yeah, all <laughs> wired. <of this>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your relationship to Instagram like? Because the, the business is online, so it's a very important platform. Yeah. And it's so visual and Star Runner is so visual. Like when I see 
you know, the pops of colors of things that pop up. I'm like, I need to buy that. And I, I click straight through. Now you can click straight through. It's so dangerous. It is dangerous. And then your personal page has quite a profile as well through being known as, as a successful community leader. So how do you draw the line there? I think it's, again, one of those, like, should feelings. Yes. Um, with my personal brand, at least, I guess I feel like I should be doing more. Like I see, again, you know, comparing yourself to other people, people that just, like, creating prolific amounts of, you know, content and, and I'm just like, okay, well, maybe I could at least do one a day or, you know, kind of a couple <laughs> of weeks. And there'll be sometimes when there's weeks where I don't, um, you know, don't create content because I'm just so busy. And there is that feeling of I should be doing more. And so I try not to be too hard on myself. But yeah, I think, again, it's just about knowing what, what my priorities are. Like you can't do it all. You know, I don't think people should be too tough on yourself if you are like building something from scratch, you know, as well as, you know, having a complete and up-to-date, you know, kind of Instagram schedule, if you will. Just know which one is your priority that has to get done. Yeah. And, you know, what else you can get done and the others will just have to kind of fit around that. So, yeah, I feel the guilt sometimes, but, yeah, I'm only human. I can do, yeah. only, I can do what I, you know, can <laughs> That's- do and... It's such a true realization as well is that we are only human and I think we expect superhuman things of ourselves and then get falsely disappointed when we don't meet that expectation. But it's like, dude, I know. You're one person. I know. It's it's hard. And um, there's yeah, it's that comparison thing again. Do you have a PA that helps with that? Like is that one of your time management? things or no <laughs> it's a sore point <laughs> i'm so happy to hear that you don't have one because so many people oh, have them and i'm like i'm so jelly yeah i i so want one but like i can't afford one at the moment and i feel like setting it up as well would be so much delegation that it yeah. would actually just right now anyway it would distract from yeah. just getting the work done but yeah at style runner the business is always growing and the team always you know need more people so the buyers need a new buyer that, you know, kind of e-com needs another, you know, X, Y, Z. And so I've always p- kind of put my, that assistance to me, like last and after them. And that's probably crazy. There's probably a lot of more things I could do if I had that assistance, but I just put my people first and, yeah. you know, I want to support their teams and, and get them, you know, resourced and able to do what they need to do. So yeah, one day, like that's the dream. Yes. yes. It's the dream. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no PA as yet. Uh, and just to finish up a couple of last questions, who are some of the coolest people that you've gotten to meet? And also I fangirled over you so badly when I first met you, which I've done to a lot of people, <laughs> maybe more internally. I don't know if I was as bad as I remember. No, I'm pretty sure you said it on stage. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm pretty sure I was pretty bad. I did say it on stage. <laughs> you were so cute and I was just so flattered and humbled. Um, I was so nervous. Uh, did, have you done that to anyone in your time? You know, I actually fangirl over like less the Instagram fashion people and things like that. I actually fangirl over like CEOs. So, you know, that's like when I'm kind of, oh my, I'm really nervous. I'm going to say the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like, so I met, for example, the CEO of Urban Outfitters a few years ago. That's insane. We stuck there. Yeah. They're, you know, like such an impressive business. And I was invited to, you know, have a meeting with him and I was just, you know, like, (laughs) what? (laughs) So, and I've met, you know, some pretty impressive people in the Louis Vuitton global kind of family. So when I won the World Retail Awards, you know, I met some of their, you know, kind of chief chief executives at that sort of level. And that's maybe does that say something around like my aspirations again? It's kind of pretty business orientated, but that that definitely made me very nervous. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, what are three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in these kinds of conversations? Even when we're trying to be most different, the stuff that people want to know generally tends to be similar, like around our working day and highlights and challenges. But are there any random things about you, like tattoos or allergies or fears? or mm, No tattoos. Um, I'm afraid of, like, I love the ocean. It incredible but I'm afraid of like stepping on a jellyfish or something like that like I can't I just like, like the stuff just under doggy, you. Yeah, like yeah. doggy paddle because I'm afraid of what I can't see. So I'm exactly that's very, the same. very probably nerdy. Um, I just like wish, even like jumping off a boat, <laughs> I like want to be one of those glamorous people that is like, let's go, um, you know, yachting and, you know, in the south of France or, you know, in Croatia or something. And I'm just going to like jump off the boat and go for these swims. And I do, but I'm like just like one foot in at a time. You need like a those little things. cage bubble thing that yes, you can like please. Someone protect me because it's it's, yeah, I love the ocean, but I'm actually a little bit afraid of what, what goes on down there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, the same and we went snorkeling recently and like Nick was like, you're not going to be able to get off the boat. I was like, no, I'm not oh. going to be able to. And I did. And I felt like so self-congratulatory. Yes. Like you swam over uh, stuff. No, Yeah, I have that love-fear relationship with yeah. the ocean. I love it and I love snorkeling, but there's actually a bit of anxiety get in there yeah and like when fish swim past me and nearly touch me I'm yeah. like, i've actually been charged by a fish like no parrot fish apparently <laughs> they, they yeah they lay their eggs in the sand and then they protect it so they swim around it and if you go near it they will literally come at you oh my so gosh. you're scaring things out there <laughs> sorry i'm just not like, helping my anxiety your fear of snorkeling. i'm so sorry <laughs> it's all right i've done it now i'm like tick off the bucket list don't even do it again <laughs> Uh, and just the last question, since I love quotes so much and I do a little quote of the day, what is your favorite motivational quote? Um, I feel like I have to go with the one that I said earlier because it literally was a life changing moment for me. You know, I, I thought I was too busy and couldn't do any more, but yeah, if it's important to you, you'll find a way challenged my limitations and completely led to my Bikram addiction and now led to this business. So, yeah. And what is next for the business? International, we always say. Um, we've always been so busy just keeping up with the business, but it really is time, I think, that we start doing more things internationally. Like Women Love Star Runner all over the world. Um, and we have a lot of international customers, but I'd like to make it more accessible to them in terms of you know, things that we're doing, the way that in Sydney and Melbourne to a lesser degree, but Sydney's obviously where we do most, feel like they really know Star Runner the brand. So I'd like to do more, yeah, overseas. So exciting. Hmm. Well, I might have to just become your PA and tag along yes, for all please. of those things. <laughs> oh my gosh, dream. Done. That is my dream. Done. So let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I just got myself a job, guys. Yes. I just got myself a PA. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for having me in this beautiful home of yours. And this being outside was so much fun. Like, I feel yes. like there were lots of random noises, but I loved it. I, me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, yes. Thank you so much. And I will share in the 
the show notes all the links to um, Star Runner and where you can upgrade and fit out your athleisure wardrobe because there's some amazing stuff that has just dropped. So I'm going on right now. <laughs> Yet another incredibly inspiring human being that I feel so, so lucky to be able to call a friend. I'll make sure that the links to Julie's page and to Star Runner, Flight Mode, New Guard and all her other incredible ventures are up on the show notes. And please do keep taking screenshots of the episodes and sharing them and sending DMs, leaving reviews. It's been so, so appreciated. So thank you so much and I hope you're seizing your yay.